if you're going to have one, have a big one, my old dear dad used to say. And he was referring to tall tales. If you're going to make a tall tale, create one that's absolutely huge. And the same thing, the dictum, I think, continues and, uh, and stays current for writers of TV drama in a particularly crowded marketplace. So, when you come across a fantastic story, you just have to do something with it, don't you? And um, when the Financial Times, who are not generally, um, not generally prone to overheated headlines, call this, call a book about this subject, Madcap Stonehouse Scandal, then you know you're onto a winner, don't you? Yes, this is Stonehouse from uh, the IT from the ITV, the ITV News, and um, it's a two-parter, and it's about John Stonehouse, who was the Midlands MP in the Labour government in 19 in the late 60s, and uh, became Postmaster General at one point, um, and also then fell on a few uh, bit of hard times. Certainly in the early 70s, when it was such a surprise that Selsden man, Ted Heath, won the election in 1970. Um, he became a backbencher, of course. He wasn't in the shadow cabinet. And got into a bit of trouble, it's thought, financially, and then went missing. Presumed dead, off the coast, when he went swimming, of Miami. He then turned up in Australia and was... Uh, Deported back to Britain, where he was jailed. Yeah, it's a good story, isn't it? I mean, he's got similarities to Lord Lucan, and actually, the Australian authorities arrested him because they thought he was Lord Lucan at one point. It's um, it's thought that he he saw the or got the idea from watching. Um, Dare the Jackal. I mean, you know, it's all kind of meta, isn't it? It's it's new man puffed up by the media and then destroyed by the media in a way. And he tries to get out of his issues through a media idea. So it's it is ideal. The idea is ideal for a drama, isn't it? We have seen it before. There are many documentaries about it. And um, you've also got sort of, although this is not overplayed in the two-parter, you've also got echoes to 1970s Britain at the moment. Have you not? Because it's um, it's got the oil crisis. We had an OPEC crisis. During Ted Heath's government, and we had to have three-day weeks. I can only just remember it. There were issues with um, with the economy. Certainly, we had to have an IMF loan, uh, which was paid off in '76. And then we've got the Callaghan government and the winter of discontent. And people are talking about that now. I'm a great. I really like the three years. Callahan government and know a lot about it and I will probably bore you at some point with some of that this all happened before that but um it is it is linked to politics irreductibly is that the word 
is that, is that a word? Irreducibly? Irreductibly? I think it... Anyway, it's linked very closely to politics and you can't really get out of it, to be honest. And um, it's fairly well done. But when you get beyond the two main performances, the rest of it doesn't stack up as well as it might. What it does is, it's an extraordinary story because quite apart from the way that he faked his own death and then returned and got arrested and all of that, you know, and the scandal of a serving MP, quite apart from all that, he was also a spy for Czechoslovakia. So <laughs> he was called Twister, wasn't he? I think that was his code name. What, what this drama does is it brings everything down. It doesn't say, this is extraordinary. It says, this is really ho-hum and humdrum. Because the 70s were, weren't they? Oh, they were really ho-hum and they were really humdrum and everything was really, was, was not half as good as it was now and there were only three channels on the TV and everything went, went off at 10 o'clock. Well, I lived in the 70s and they were great. Not in the way that people, oh, look at these those big collars and look at that glam. Isn't that great to look through the lens of 2022 and 3 Britain? No, I really enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed the lack of pressure. The lack of always on. Maybe it's because I was a kid during that time. But it was a different world. It was a different situation. People made things and they were proud to be part of making things. And ITV have made something here. And they can be proud of some of it. But it does bring everything down to a really... A really ho-hum feel. It's a bit grubby. And, and I can understand why they've gone for that. Everything's a little bit grubby. And what you don't get is any sense of why Stonehouse... What drove Stonehouse? And that's a good thing. Because the man was a graduate of the London School of Economics. So he knew what he was doing to a certain extent. He was good-looking, conventionally good-looking. He had a kind of... Um, he sounded posh. You wouldn't get that from the performance in this drama, though. And it's kind of comedy drama, really. More of that in a minute. So he had that sort of us and them... I want my betters to be MPs. And in, an, in a, a Labour Party that was steeped in trade unionism and was steeped in people coming through the ranks of manufacturing, he stood out. He flew high. There's an Icarus thing here. You know that. I'm surprised we, we don't see that. I'm surprised we don't see a, an Icarus image at some point. But there's a... A question about why he felt he had to achieve more. He had to move into a bigger house. He had to do that now. And he had to do that in ways that were difficult, that might prove difficult. There was a, there's a speed attached to it. I need to do this now. And part of that, I think, is he came up in, to government and all of that in 68. So that kind of period is breaking down barriers. 
And there's all the kind of mergers and acquisitions situation. There's that kind of opening up of business to a certain extent. But in this drama, we don't really know why he did it. And we don't... The performance doesn't give us any idea why he did it. So let's talk about these first... These two main performances. Now, as Stonehouse, it's... um, It's Matthew McFadden. And it's a really appealing performance. But it is in no way an impersonation of Stonehouse. And I don't believe he really gets close to him. Now, does he have to? Is there a responsibility for him to do that? I believe there is. But is there also a responsibility... To entertainers, I believe there also is. And what this drama never does is it doesn't leave us alone to say, what an extraordinary story. It just pushes you. It just says, isn't this funny? And I'm going to add something a bit funnier. And the performances are kind of, it's a sort of, it's it's got, it's got moments of Harry Enfield's Tim Nice but Dim in it. I realised that today when I was thinking about it. And there's quite a lot of not really, not understanding people. Not just I don't really connect with these people, but I don't even understand them. And I don't really care about them at all. There's also a real sense of of crass, of a bore. And um, also a real sense of, of imprecision. There's a, there's a touch of Homer Simpson about this. He's, he can't, he can't, he can't tell us how he feels. He can't tell us what he wants. He just knows it. He can't elucidate anything. There are lots and lots of shrugs and hand gestures, which are very uncomfortable and really fantastic to watch. It's a beautiful performance. It's a big performance. And where you sit is where you stand with this. Because if you want something that is very much like John Stonehouse, that you might have seen from documentaries... You're not going to get it. But if you want to be entertained by a performance which is a bit different and is quite bold, you are going to get it. So probably he should be given kudos for doing that. Keely Hawes, I think he's his real life wife, isn't she? Plays um, his wife. And um, she has a... It's a beautifully timed performance. A beautifully effective and affecting performance in that she knows she knows there's an affair going on she doesn't quite know she's she's doing this not for the children but because that's what you do you stand by your man because that's what you do even when she goes to Australia to find him and and he's got his mistress there even when you do that so Emma Emma Heatley plays Sheila Buckley, who is the secretary who he has the affair with. And actually, in reality, this is not some flighty affair that's a bit grubby. She waited. They both went to jail. She waited for him when he came out because he got a bigger sentence than she did. They stayed together. They got married. They had a child. They stayed together. That's beautiful, isn't it? And I've seen her interviewed, and she doesn't seem to have a speech impediment. In this show, she does. 
Now, she might do and she might not. The R's are W's. And I sometimes have a little bit of a problem when people say, you know, I'm going to give you a wing. Uh, Usually, I could be wrong, but often it's a softer R, so it's a wing. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's probably just me being oversensitive. But, you know, she looks very much like Sheila Buckley. I think that might be about it. Of course, what you've also got is the political side of this. Harold Wilson, played by Kevin McNally. It's pretty well judged. What can you do with it? I mean, it's some of the writing's a bit crass, to be honest. It's a bit... Because he does the spider... Um, you know, I, I'm like a I'm like a spider in the corner of the room. That thing that he did before he was... Before he resigned... He does that with um, with Stonehouse in the room. Stonehouse can't quite... It's a bit of a comedy bit. Oh, can't quite understand it, you know. So you get all the all the tropes in. You'll know this, so I'll put it in. And all of that. And um, there's not much you can do with it. Kevin McNally's work I like very much. And he gives us a bit of a... Um, a bit of a... An impersonation. And it doesn't give us very much of the scheming of the man. However, that's partially because quite a lot of his work takes place when they have a wafer-thin majority in the mid-70s. And this is really good because this is one of the ways that this show wins. They have to bring Stonehouse back. I don't know if this was the thinking of the time, but it's a really good idea because... He's part of their wafer-thin majority. He needs to be there because he needs to vote stuff through. When he gets back, he doesn't, of course. He he goes rogue. You'd kind of expect that, wouldn't you? He's paired up with Dorothy Atkinson playing Betty Boothroyd. Now, at first, I thought she was playing Barbara Castle. I thought, there's no red in that hair. I'm very worried. But it's Betty Boothroyd. Betty Boothroyd was the deputy whip. I'm not sure if Harold and Betty palled up together so much. I don't think there's much to tell us that they did. I could be wrong. But Dorothy Atkinson plays a sort of straight-talking situation with a lot of the enjoyment of the gossip of all that, and that's fair enough. It's fair enough. This show has a great basis, and it could be something a lot more. But what it does is, it sacrifices all that for laughs, and I don't know whether that is right or wrong. It's good to watch. The central performance for Mr. McFadden is... It takes real stones to do that. To take a real character who's who's no longer alive, but to take a real character who you can visit, revisit, on your phone, your tablet, your TV, and have a look at him speaking. It takes a real... It takes real chutzpah to do that. And to say, I'm going to play it differently. I'm going to play this really broadly and for laughs. I don't think the man was broad. But I understand why he's playing it that way. And you know what? It works on the terms of the drama. Which is that this is a light comedy with a great story. But it could have been so much more. Ta-ta.